go. Hi, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Motor Up Sports. I'm your host, Kenny Eaton. And Grant, are you feeling motored up for March Madness? Today, we begin a big day for March. A lot of soldiers will go into battle. And only one will remain victorious amongst these collegiate men. Only one group of athletes, men that have started their season on October 31st and who have now hoped to, with big wins of March, lead to victories of April. Go green. Go white. You know what I'm actually hoping? I'm, I'm hoping they pull off a run. They, I, hope they at least, I hope they at least appear against Marquette in around the 32. I want to at least see that 7-2 game and at least think, okay, maybe Michigan State has a chance. But there's so many great games on today. It's going to be awesome. All day. It's going to be awesome. Day. I'm going to be in the car all day, which is going to suck. But oh, why? Where are you going? My cousin's birthday's Saturday. I didn't realize it's the first day of March Madness when I booked this trip a month ago. Oh, I know. I'm going to be driving from 2.30 to 7. I'm going to be in the car. But I'll catch Oral Roberts Duke and the rest of that. I was going to say, and we live in an era of streaming where actually what better time, what better year than 2023 than to have your your cousin's birthday trip on the same day as March Madness? Because you know what? You really, you can be watching all the games still on your phone, go sneak to the bathroom. You're good. You'll be fine. Oh, yeah, I'll be fine. But I'm excited. It's going to be a fun one. I think this is going to be one of the better March Madnesses. But let's just lead off with some Lions talk. Yep. They made some tough decisions. They let yep. fan favorite Jamal Williams go, which I thought was the right move. I thought it was a smart strategic move. I thought it was a great all-around move for the Lions to bring in David Montgomery. We'll get to that in a few. They brought in uh, Cam Sutton from Pittsburgh and Emmanuel Mosley, and they brought back Kaminsky, Isaiah Boggs, Anzalone, and Craig Reynolds. So a lot of culture guys are back. Anzalone is one of the culture builder guys. They've always been high on him. I think this regime, I don't think the fans have been really high on Anzalone, but I know that Brad Holmes has always liked him. I know that Campbell's always liked Anzalone's locker room presence. So I don't really have an issue bringing back Anzalone. I would have preferred him to just be depth and we build through the draft at linebacker, but I think we still might. There's still a chance for that. I think that's what re-signing Anzalone gives you that flexibility. And I love what Brad Holmes is doing in these given these short-term contracts, where we're not screwing ourselves over by giving non-position players five-year deals, uh, you know, many many millions guaranteed, and then putting us ourselves in a situation to be trapped where we, A, can't pivot amidst a what feels like a rebuild because we can't trade any of our high-salary players. And then we just get to keep it fresh. We get to keep things in tune, plug in what we need, rather than waiting five years to let a cornerback go that we've overpaid. So I'm thinking I like that who we've retained. Mm -hmm. I think Kaminsky is great. Anzalone, I think, good for the product. And I like, yeah, what we've added is tremendous. It's going to be sad to miss Jamal Williams, but this was a great reminder to me of, as a fan, I get too emotionally attached to certain players. If uh, when after if, not even just an hour, but probably for the past three days or three weeks after that Green Bay win, I would have been like, no, I need Jamal Williams. We'll pay him blank check to come back. But really, now that just I look back in that hindsight, I'm like, you stupid fan. 
you stupid, stupid fan. How could you have wanted that so badly? I think Jamal Williams, great running back. But I think that Brad Holmes realized he has a very, very, very good old line. And that very, very, very good old line, I think, made Jamal Williams look a tad bit better than what he really is. And I think St. Louis, I'm not St. Louis, New Orleans saw that with the value. Saw the contract, even like four mil a year. Like, I think think teams know that the Lions old line is just nasty. And that, yeah, Jamal Williams, good running back. Is, mm-hmm. is he Josh Jacobs money? No. Is no. he um the is extra he two million Christian McCaffrey money? No. No. He's a four million not. dollar running back. And you know what? I think the Lions got a big upgrade. You know, yeah. And that extra two million that we're paying a year to David Montgomery, not only do I think is an increase in skill, but we're getting a player who's two years younger. Mm-hmm. We're getting a guy who's younger. Uh Jamal Williams, it's just didn't make sense moving forward and that's sad but also it, it gives me some trust once again in this front office that we're not going to make decisions basically off emotions and also off recency bias yeah jamal williams had a great season because he had a phenomenal o-line and the 17 touchdowns is going to be an outlier in his career it is mm-hmm. you know what i mean because you're going to look this guy just scored 17 touchdowns in a single season you're only going to give him three point whatever four some million a year but it was an outlier and that was a great moment what we had with jamal williams and i don't want that to ever be taken away that was a phenomenal season but we're on to i think bigger and better things with david montgomery i do too david montgomery i think is very overlooked because the bears o-line for most of his career has been one of the worst in football if not the worst for many years so he's going to have a refresh system with the Lions. I mean, if Jamal at 17 last year could, is it possible David Montgomery has a chance of breaking it with this line? I mean, seriously. What's your over-under on Swift-Montgomery touchdowns? So I think Swift had seven or eight. He'll match that. He had seven or eight, and then Jamal Swift had, or Jamal Williams had 17, so they're in the ballpark of 25. Do you think we get over-under 25 and a half? I think they're going to go under 25 touchdowns next year. I think that they're going to be more pass heavy now that they have JMO back in full strength. You have, and I think you want to hear something crazy. They're going to go receiver in the first two rounds. Well, and that's what I'm wondering also, because we retain Craig Reynolds. Pretty birds chirping about DJ Chark. Like there's nothing like that's done. That's That's done. We're not, there's no, he's not coming back. We're, I've seen rumors that we're going to draft in those top three picks. Um, that's kind of exciting, though. It is. I'd rather have a receiver come out of the draft than DJ Chark. I would. And I like it on a rookie. I like paying our t- two of our, I like paying all three of our receivers on rookie contracts, too. I do enjoy that. Well, is Amon Ra, how much more time does he got on a rookie? This I don't know, but I, I'd be happy paying three receivers that could be elite all on rookie deals. Well, I guess that's what we're looking at, but this is for what this year. Are, are you sure Amon Ra's on a rookie deal still? Yeah, sure? he is. He is because okay. they they would have extended him on a yeah. Big contract. yeah. Big we would have heard about we would have heard about an extension. You're right. I agree. I agree. But, right. you know, number. but at the same time, I mean, the guys that were filling in when we had Chark injured last year, maybe Holmes trusts you know Josh Reynolds and Quintez Cephas and who was the other guy they threw in last year a lot. There's, oh, Craig, Craig Reynolds is the running the back. The running back. 
They got Josh oh, Reynolds. Like, I think the Lions see it. Like, Josh Reynolds was fine last year when he was failing. It. He, he wasn't anything he special. Back? Is Josh yeah. Reynolds? He I think so. Back. But okay. I think that I think the Lions just see, unless if they go receiver, then they obviously like are gonna play the receiver right away. But if they don't, it just shows they're comfortable with them being your third receiver because they were not even that bad. They're but I think they played. They weren't dropping a lot of passes. They were kind of catching everything that went to them last year. They just weren't anything special. So if Holmes thinks he can live with those receivers, because you got to remember, they won a lot of games with third, fourth string receivers down the stretch until Chark came back. If he thinks that they can win games with, with Kennedy, with Reynolds, with Cephas, if he thinks he can win games like that, I'm okay keeping him as my third receiver, but I really want them to look at 18 or at 40, or where are they drafting? 46, 47? Uh, forty. Yeah, I think I gotta look at the list. I think it's forty six though. With with one of the second round picks, am I crazy to say let's end up going or even at eighteen? I want a guard. I, I don't. I don't want it. Another one at eighteen is too close. Where we took Jamal last year. I I. I want I another guard. Oh, another guard. Oh, certainly, certainly. Yeah, we can. Ah, but I. You know what? The defensive line. I think also. I want to have an interior guy. At six. Jalen Carter. Okay. I, I want to hear your thoughts on that. Did you see all the stuff that came out yesterday? Um, I didn't I don't know what came out yesterday. So he put on, I think, nine pounds or twelve pounds between was oh. here. I'm pulling it up right now for you. So today the charges came down for him. He pleaded a no contest misdemeanor. He was sentenced to 12 months probation, a thousand dollar fine, and 80 hours of community service. And he's going to attend a, a state um, defensive driving course. But yesterday, he was nine pounds heavier at his pro day than he was at the combine, and he declined to run a 40-yard dash. That's not a good look. That is not a good look. That's not. I know. So I, I known from his stock at um, combine that he didn't look good. And honestly, this whole misdemeanor thing, I'm really crazy about it. He's kind of responsible for – not responsible. He's in part of the loss of life of one of his own teammates, and that's pretty messy mm-hmm. situation. And then to have gained nine pounds and refused to run a 40-yard dash, he probably is the most skilled interior defense line or interior defenseman. But I don't think I want him. I don't think I want him. I'm going to debate you on that. I think we've seen this in the past. We've seen guys with character issues that have slipped in the draft. We've seen guys with this BS, you know, gaining weight, and they end up perfectly fine in the NFL. And they end up actually becoming superstars a lot of the time because teams just are afraid of the character issue. You know, I I think – do I think we're going to go Jalen Carter if he's on the board? No. Because I think the thing that Campbell and Holmes are looking for are guys with grit. He clearly doesn't have the grit gaining nine pounds in the client around a 40. Now, granted, I don't care what he does off the field. If the guy wants to party his ass off and go to legends all the time, I don't care. As long as he's putting up 12 sacks in the season, I don't care what the fuck he does. If he's going to ball on Sunday. He's got to take his business to players. What is he doing at legends? I don't know, but he ends up winning. But if he ends up playing like decent football, man, like, I don't care what the guy does off the field. If he's going to win me football games on the field, seriousness, I really, really like him. I like yes. what I saw. I mean, put him and Hutch and, and James Houston, all three of them on that line with Paschal stopping the run and having a Lee McNeil <laughs> rotate in there. I mean, come on. 
Yeah, I, I think you're crazy. overthinking it if you don't go Jalen Carter. I, 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 the reason I want interior defensemen, whether it is Jalen Carter or others, I'll let the, the powers that be be the one to make that decision. But uh, this is might be a stretch, but it's kind of like um, what Scott Harris was talking about baseball, about how everything starts from one end and works its way. So similarly in football, for defense, it starts with your defensive line. The quicker that those guys can get to the quarterback or force a throw, that's less time for your cornerbacks scrambling in coverage. That's less time for your linebackers to read the up. All of it, it makes the game easier each step afterwards when you do the first step and you do it fucking great. I think that we've seen the Chiefs kind of had that where their their secondary wasn't as strong, but their front four, front five guys were so dominant and they could plug in and they could switch it up. And same with the 49ers, same with the Eagles. And that's what makes winning teams. I just listed three of the four best teams in the NFL and they got great interior D lines. And I think, heck, even if it is Jalen Carter, I'd be okay with that. I just don't know if he's my number one choice. He's definitely my number one. I think that if you go Jalen Carter and then you go Brian Branch and get your safety because you lost Sean Elliott. So if you can go out there and get your safety out of Brian Branch at 18, second round, you go best available and then linebacker with your other second round pick. So best available, meaning you go guard, receiver, running back, even if a quarterback, let's just hypothetically say, and I think this there's a chance this can happen. I feel like it's Anthony Richardson BS. It's going to be similar to Malik Willis. I was going to say, he's got a slide. I can't imagine that he'll go top 20. No, I don't get the hype. You know, we saw the same thing with Malik last year. Killed it at the combine. I think teams are starting to weight the combine less heavy now, especially with first-round picks. <sighs> yeah, so I, I agree. I, I agree. I think the combine – well, no, the combine is always going to be a combine for the four-yard dash, for the right. metrics – for the metrics, the hand size, you know, length, how tall are you? But that's something I found inter- interesting for quarterbacks. They'll measure them from the neck down. Because mm-hmm. it doesn't matter how big your forehead and your right. head is. It's really is your ability to throw over that line and being able to see the field. So there's little things like that I do think are interesting about the combine. But yeah, how much I feel like if I'm a, and if I'm if I'm an NFL scout, I'm gonna check out that combine. Of course, it's a part of my job. I'm gonna be there, but won't film tell me majority the majority of what I want to know. Won't seeing this guy live in action, live and so that's something I've always kind of wondered. Not wondered, but just struggled with the combine of how can you, in good graces, boost a guy so much only just from a good combine showing. Right. And, and that's my whole, it's all turning into analytics, but I like the way that Brad Holmes and Campbell came out and said, we're not really caring about the combine. We're looking at film and J- hell Jalen Hart Carter's film shows he's the best player in the draft. Him or Will Anderson. You know, I have a weird, right. feeling. I have a weird feeling. Number three, you have Arizona sitting there. They don't need a quarterback, meaning that you have Will Anderson sitting at three. Is there a possibility where Detroit moves up to three, Arizona slides to six, 
the Lions put Will Anderson on the opposite side of Hutch and they go with it. Is that a crazy? That's what I want them to do. I want them that to move was- six and a third and a future third, move up to three, get your guy Will Anderson at three, put him on the opposite high- side of Hutch, and you have the best D-line in the league in two years. You're, you're building up the secondary really nice with smart strategic signings. Your linebacking core is going to come come around really soon. I just feel like if they move up to three and guarantee themselves Will Anderson, it's game over. See, I think that that's great, awesome in theory. I just realistically, I, um, I just can't see Arizona or the Lions agreeing to move that. To move, I can't see the Lions agreeing to move up. And I can't really see the Cardinals agreeing to move down because I think that there's still enough uncertainty with one and two that they is might there take. A role? Is there? Because let's see. They okay. So CJ Stroud at one. Is that what you? CJ Stroud, Bryce Young are one two. Okay, so maybe you're right. So maybe it's not that unclear. So maybe it's just the combination of one A, one B. So you think Will? You think Willie Anderson goes third? Easily. Regard. He could go regardless. even lower the five or six if Arizona moves to pick. Because like, think about it, quarterbacks are across the board. You have probably four quarterbacks that are getting talked about in the top five right now. Talk about I watched Pat McAfee's show. I watch it. I've been watching it for a couple of years now. Mm-hmm. I was I was there for the first Aaron Rodgers Tuesday. They used to call it Aaron Rodgers Book Club Tuesday, where he'd bring a book and he'd be real snobby and he'd tell everyone, "Well, I read this book and you should all read it, and it's about wisdom." And either case, so I was tuned in yesterday for his decision. Even though I think it was a done deal, right? Right. Like everyone, everyone knew it was like that was the only direction his like the, his rumors were going was to the Jets. Mm-hmm. But it's like it starts at one o'clock. Ah, uh, he talks and he talks and then he goes on about the darkness and then he talks some more and then it's like twenty five minutes in and he's like, well, you know, I think it's actually already been decided that as of last weekend I'm going to be playing with the New York Jets. I just have to get my way. It's like, oh, he's so unbearable. He's really unbearable. He's so great at football, and I'm so glad he's out in the NFC North. He is. Tell me about it. He's a heel. He's a for real heel. Like I'm, I'm like just waiting for him to just say it, and I'm like, Ugh, dang and it. Kirby, Kirby is his last throw as a Packer. Yeah, and picked him off three times, but it's just Aaron Rodgers continued to screw me over. I've realized that, like, he's just, uh, he's great. He's entertaining, but God, I'm so glad he's out of the NFC North. Tell me about it. So I want to just move in the very quick fire through picks of the day. So we'll start with the first game of the day, West Virginia, Maryland. In games in Birmingham, Alabama, West Virginia favored by two and a half points. I think I'm going to go West Virginia there. See, I'm going Maryland just because I'm going. Years past, I've had the philosophy of don't trust Big Ten. And I've been rewarded for that. This year, I'm going with the opposite. I'm going to fade myself, and I'm going to trust the Big Ten because everyone's everyone's beating up on each other so bad that I think it's made everyone stronger just a little bit. There are no bullies, and there are no nerds. It's just everyone is the same. Which is why everybody's getting bounced right away. But I think the rest of the conferences are really bad, too. Like, there's just... (sighs) 
not as bad as the Big Ten. Big East is better. Big 12 is better. That's it. Big Big Ten's third. ACC is yeah. obviously last. ACC, SEC are obviously below us. Mountain West. Pac-12 no. you can put right next to us. 3-4 you can debate. Okay, next game. Give me another one. Virginia Furman. I have Furman. That seems like the very trendy pick, though. I it does seem to be the trendy pick, and Big Cat, I think, explained best. I think it's because everyone hates watching Virginia. Yeah. You They're like boring hell. So you like Virginia or Furman in that one? I do like Virginia just because Furman's popular. Because everyone's going on Furman, I'm like, okay, I want Virginia. Fair, fair, fair. Pick it game. You, Utah State, Missouri, the books haven't liked Mizzou all week. I, I still think Mizzou wins that game. I don't like There's Utah this... State. I've watched them twice. They, they, they're nothing special to me. Neither is Mizzou. I mean, that's just a trash, boring-ass game. Yeah, I agree. I'm with you on Mizzou. Ken Palm has this one, the, the lucky stat. And I don't really know how they create that metric. Um, but another thing, that, yeah, it's Missouri's the, the luckiest team historically in the NCAA tournament, as in I think it's a combination of being the lower seed in beating the higher seed and number of games. I don't know how they make it. Missouri's the luckiest team in the NCAA. I took them to win round one. I did too. San Diego State, Charleston. San Diego State defense three ball better than anybody in college basketball. They're 10 men deep going against the top 10 three-point shooting team of Charleston, who is 31 and 31-3. Charleston seems like the very trendy pick. I love San Diego State in this one. I think if, if the books are, are thinking San Diego State's a five-and-a-half-point favorite, they're moving. I feel like they keep moving the line to San Diego State up and up, which just makes me feel like it's a weird game. Everybody's picking Charleston's. The books aren't going to get that game wrong. I got San Diego State, and they're going to cover the six points. I think this is an instance of an immovable force and an unstoppable object of San Diego State's defense, and then Charleston's um, three-point shooting. Like, or not even that doesn't do it. They just chuck up threes. They right. chuck them up, and they hit. So that'll be a, that's gonna be a really good game. Arkansas, Illinois, Big Ten trash. Arkansas, in, most inconsistent team I think in the nation this year. When they're on top of their game, they're on top of their game. When they're not on top of their game, they're garbage. I think Arkansas. I hate Brad Underwood. Brad Underwood always chokes in March. I'm gonna take Arkansas in this one. I just think Musselman has it's building up a very good program that gets hot late at Arkansas. Two straight elite eights. They're going to run in the Kansas in the second round. That's going to be a hell of a game. I like Arkansas in a very close game. Terrence Shannon will have Illinois. a great game. Mayor Illinois. and Shannon are going to have good games, but I just think See? Nick Smith and Ricky Council win that one. I uh, Illinois, um, also pretty inconsistent throughout the season. Um, because Mayor, who I think – He's their, their, he's their little, their shock factor. He's the, the microwave. He gets things going. He played really bad in the Big Ten tournament. He was terrible shooting, couldn't get open. He's a good player. I'm thinking he's got to be. It's got to make sense. It's got to be. It's got to click this game. It's got to make sense for this game, and, and for the reason I said earlier of just banking on the Big Ten this year. So I have Illinois to win this game. Good pick, good pick. Iowa-Auburn game in Birmingham, Alabama. I have Auburn. I don't think – it's Fran McCaffrey. So, and so uh, that's all – that's my reason. He's Fran McCaffrey in March. Yep, yep. I, I like I like Auburn also. Um, 
that kid Wendell Green. He's from oh, Country. Yeah, Country Day. Yeah, that's another reason I like watch. I've watched Auburn a few times this year because of him. I hope they win a couple games. I hope they win a couple games. Okay, another game. This is the game of the day. 7-10 CBS Duke Oral Roberts. Oral Roberts, top power offense in college basketball, playing an 18-1 with the starters Duke team. Duke's peaking at the right time. They're looking like Coach K standards. I've gone back and forth on this game all week. I think the winner of this game gets to the Sweet 16 with ease and could potentially, I don't want to say it, but if Purdue ends up losing, could Oral Roberts or Duke make their way to the lead eight? That's very, I think anything can happen. Winner of this game, anything can happen from here. I'm going to take Oral Roberts, but I just don't know. That one's just the toughest game ever. I think, uh, I know, every, uh, those 5-12s, people like doing the upset, 13-4. Duke coming off the ACC tournament win, they they really are defining peaking at the right time. Like you might be able to say, oh, yeah, who else won their tournament? Like Texas, Texas is peaking at the right time. Purdue Arizona. is peaking. Arizona, but really, Duke is peaking at the right time. They are. They like. Their coach, I'm reading his name to the guy who replaced Coach K. Don Shire. Don Shire. So stinking likable. I think his boys, his dogs are going to fight for him. Oral Roberts, I, I don't know. I haven't watched them play. I know they do. They get in the tournament. They were in the tournament last year. They beat Ohio State as the 15th seed. But I still, no, maybe that was two years ago. Two years ago. I'm going, I'm going with Duke. I, I don't, I can't argue. Like, that's just such a tough game. This one, I actually am going to go Big Ten in this one. Northwestern, Boise State. I don't know enough about either team, but I know Northwestern's defensively a nightmare. And the Mountain West hasn't won a tournament game in three years. And I think yep. that will probably end with San Diego State with the win, but Boise State will add another loss to the Mountain West. Yeah. I uh, those The 7-10s. I, I guess it's a reminder of how I feel about the seven tens each year. I think the seven tens are some, sometimes harder to pick than the eight nines, where I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. What do you let's 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 talk about the most important seven ten though. Doesn't happen today. It's going on tomorrow. I don't know if you're doing another podcast tomorrow, but I want to talk to you about it. Yeah, let's do it for five minutes. Michigan State. Let's talk about that. Yeah, let's talk to this seven ten. I don't know much about USC. I haven't watched them play once. I didn't even really look much into them because, you know what, I took state. I don't care. I don't care if it's not an educated pick. I don't care if it's not a wise pick. Michigan's not in the tournament. I need Michigan State to at least win a game. And I, I and tell me I'm right. Tell me that you think that's going to happen. They're going to win at least two. You get past Marquette, anything can happen from there at that point because now you're rolling. You know what I mean? Now you've gone two games, you've played tough basketball. It's all about AJ Hogard. How we talked yesterday episode, me, me, coach, and uh, Nate, we're talking about this. It all comes down to AJ Hogard and how much mentally he's in check for this tournament. If he's has the same attitude he did against Ohio State, and I don't think this is the first time that he's played a game like that all year. That the body language wasn't okay with him. Right? I don't go to the games. I've heard the body language has been off the last couple of weeks on the bench with him. 
it looks like he's off. And it, we even talked about it. He might even transfer after the season with Fierce coming in, with Hollowman, with Walker probably coming back for his COVID year. Like, you're, you, Holgar might be on his way out. And I think it's starting to become apparent he is. By the body language, especially really? how many? How old is he? He's got to be the junior. The junior. The junior. So he might take a senior year somewhere else. I mean, his body language was awful for that uh, Ohio State game. I mean, well, he did that, not that's not what I like to hear. I watched the Ohio State game. I don't remember seeing. He looked blowed. It looked like he took two hundred milligram edible before the game. And look, mm-hmm. I don't have a problem smoking and playing because if you could smoke and hoop like fucking KD, I don't care. But if you're gonna smoke and hoop <laughs> up a game like that, I have a problem. Smoke and hoop. <laughs> smoke and hoop. That's all dudes know how to do these days. Oh, smoke and hoop. Most we are the most uh, athletic stoner generation ever. There's oh. gotta be some truth to that. There's gotta be some truth, or maybe the generation. Yeah, who knows? Who knows? Who knows? But yeah, I think it does. You see, does you uh uh USC have any bigs like? No, you know, that, like, that's they Boogie Ellis from Memphis a few years back. That's about their most of their team. It's Boogie. So Cisco's gonna be able to match up with him, no problem. Sissoko will have a good game. Or Sissoko, I mean Sissoko will play fine. Okay, I think that I think that's really Michigan State's Achilles heel. Achilles heel really is the the, the big man play because you got the guards. I guess AJ Hogard if he's uh, working through whatever, but between um Malik Hall, uh, Tyson Walker, uh, you got guards. You got guys yeah. who can bring up – you got guys who can shoot the ball. It's Do you have anyone on the interior? Anyone get a stop? Are you, is Chase Jackson Davis or any other big guy in this college basketball tournament? I'm trying to think who else. The, we would run in the E potentially, but that's the only Edie. team in the region. So you got no one. Um, uh, Marquette doesn't have no one big. No, they're yeah. kind of wing dominant. Okay, so yeah, you you just gotta be able to stop the bleeding there if that is the Achilles heel. But if there's no Achilles heel in this game, Sparty roll, Sparty go roll green, on. go green, go white. All right, we're gonna conclude this episode today. We're getting way over time. Are you feeling motored up, Kenny? Always talking to you is always great. Thanks for having me on. Yep, thank you for coming on.